Welcome to the Wire to Wire podcast. As always, it's me, your host, Yusuf. Now, without further ado, let's just get right to it. So recently, sports commentator Jason Whitlock and Stephen A. Smith had a war of words on the internet. So Whitlock reviewed Stephen A. Smith's memoir and was critiquing what he believed to be inaccuracies or mistruths in some of the stories that he was telling about his life. And Stephen A. responded with quite a bit of furor at Whitlock's assertions about the book. Now, Whitlock then responded back to what Stephen A. Smith had to say about him and doubled down on his points. So for this episode, I want to go over this feud a little bit, but I also want to give my opinion on who I thought won this whole exchange between the two, but also to... I do think that there's quite a bit of life lessons that we can actually unpack and actually learn from this particular situation that occurred between these two gentlemen. Now, on this show, I've mentioned Stephen A. Smith a few times, and truthfully, I have nothing personal against the guy. I actually respect the hell out of his career and what he's been able to accomplish. Now, he's one of the biggest names, not just in sports media, but in media itself, right? And it's well-deserved. The guy puts in the work. He did his time. And he's now reaping the benefits of the work that he put into it. So good for him. And with Jason Whitlock, he is someone who I believe makes good points when it comes to certain things. And I can respect his thought process that goes into him, you know, arriving to the decisions or conclusions that he makes, right? But there's also plenty of times where I don't really agree with him and what he's saying. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. At the end of the day, we're men, we're human beings, right? We can disagree or I can at least disagree without me having to disrespect him or anything of that nature. And in this particular incident... I really have no horse in this race, and I don't have a dog in this fight. So I will be able to analyze this entire situation objectively and show you guys things from my perspective and also show you guys how I interpret certain things. So to kick this off, I'm going to show you guys what Whitlock had to say, and then I'm going to show you guys Stephen A. Smith's response to him. And then we'll be back, and I'll break everything down. So... Before I get started on that, be sure to like this video and to subscribe to the channel. And with the clips that I'm about to play, this is all fair use, okay? It's fair use. I'm only doing this for educational and reactionary purposes only. So here we go, here are the clips. Stephen A. Smith released a memoir in 2023 called Straight Shooter. I read it, it's farcical. When I listen to Cat Williams talk about Kevin Hart and Steve Harvey, my mind immediately drifted to Stephen A. Smith's memoir. Smith's story just doesn't add up. He, or his ghostwriter, claims he received a full basketball scholarship from Winston-Salem State after a one-day tryout in February of 1988. A former Winston-Salem State basketball player allegedly drove Smith from New York to North Carolina for a tryout after Smith impressed the former player during a one-on-one matchup on a playground court. According to his book, 
Smith arrived on Winston-Salem State's campus on a Saturday, checked into a hotel, and woke up Sunday morning to participate in a scrimmage. <clears throat> I want to pause here just for a second and, and give you a bit more context before I explain this full story. Let me add that Smith played one year of high school basketball. He rode the bench for the 1985-1986 Thomas Edison High team as a senior. In the book, he says his one season of prep basketball ended abruptly when he failed a single assignment in a single class. But this man will tell you I'm lying. He even went so far as to say my autobiography where I talk about my mother, my father, my sisters, the business, my hiring and firing and rehiring at ESPN. I didn't write it. I didn't write my own memoir. I cannot imagine as a black man knowing our history anything worse than a white supremacist that is until Jason Whitlock came along he's worse than them he is the worst most despicable lying no good fat ass human being I have ever known in my life Ladies and gentlemen, how serious I am, am I? I have a contract that I negotiated with ESPN and I signed in 2015. I don't know of anyone who has this in their contracts. I had it in my contract and I have a copy of it where it specifically stipulates that I never work with Jason Whitlock. It's in writing. No wonder you didn't see him on first take. It doesn't get any better than Christopher Broussard. And he can't stand Jason Whitlock. Look around. Don't y'all notice why black people scurry away whenever this roach of an individual is around named Whitlock? Because we know what he is. He is the worst. He's not ethical. He's not moral. Clearly, based over what I've told you about me, he's also not factual most of the time. He will lie. He will denigrate. And he will turn against anyone to serve his own good. He hasn't burnt bridges. He's napalmed them. Call Eric Shanks and Charlie Dixon at Fox. Call Jimmy Pitaro. Burke Magnus, Dave Roberts, Norby Williamson at ESPN. Call him. Call him. Call John Skipper at Metalock Media. I'm giving you names. It's the same Jason Whitlock that stood outside doors trying to get me and coax me into even having a conversation with them because they knew I was so disgusted with him, presumably after he hit a strip club because we all know ain't nobody trying to go out with him. Okay, the same Jason Whitlock, that guy, he came to the one. I know what he is. I have the emails. 
I have the articles. I have everything. I once tried to befriend this dude. I don't talk to him because he betrayed me. As he has others. He's turned his back on Dan Lebertard. He's turned his back on all of those other colleagues that I mentioned. Ask Jamel Hill about him. Ask Dan Lebertard. Ask Chris Broussard. Let me stop naming names. Ask anybody. He's a liar. He's a piece of shit. My apologies to ESPN. My apologies to my family, my friends, my staff, my employees. My apologies to Fox for staining their name by even mentioning the fact that he was once there. My apologies to John Skipper. My apologies to Dan Lebertard and Stu Gotts and their show. My My apologies to Jamel Hill. All the executives at all the networks, they know what a piece of shit he is. And they begged me not to do this. But even my pastor, A.R. Bernard, said, I'm not happy about it. But every now and then we got to do what we got to do. I hate this bastard. Not even, far more than a little bit. He is the worst human being any of you will ever meet. You get within a mile of his presence. Wrap your arms around yourself to protect your soul. He is Cain. He is a devil. The worst. So you saw what Whitlock had to say, and then you saw Stephen A's response. Now, after Stephen A's response, Whitlock then doubled down on what he had to say. Here's the clip. Let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. I just want to show you Stephen A. Smith in his own words, trying to keep his story straight as it relates to his alleged basketball career at Winston-Salem State. In, I believe, November of 2022, Malika Andrews, Jalen Rose, and J.J. Reddick were on ESPN. And Malika Malika Andrews and Jalen and the producers at ESPN were having a little fun with Stephen A. Smith. And they put together a graphic of everybody's basketball average, their their stats, their senior year. There's Jalen Rose averaging 17, 18 points a game. There's uh, J.J. Redick averaging 24, 25 points a game. And then they show Stephen A. Smith averaging one and a half points a game. Watch the clip and then let me explain to you what you're actually watching. We're coming off college hoops, guys. So I do want to show you all a little something. I got a little something to show you here. Before we dig into the NBA, take a look at this blind resume here. It's three players. They're scoring average in each person's final college season. Do we we have any guesses who this might be? Jalen, who do you think? What what is this? Nah, this is hilarious. JJ's Ah! on the right. Well, they're not telling. What they're not telling is I only played one game because a crack my kneecap in half. But that's neither here nor there. That is neither here. So, 
And I've already, I explained this to you last week, but I'm just reiterating. The man just argued on national TV on ESPN with his stats up there saying he averaged one and a half points per game. Stephen A. Smith says, what they're not telling you is I only played one game. You can't average one and a half points in one game. It's impossible. And I'm not a math major. But it's impossible. So that's in November of 2022. Stephen A. trying to explain his basketball career at Winston-Salem State. He then, I think, circles back in August of 23 and, and has a new explanation. This isn't on ESPN. This is on his podcast. He has a new explanation for his basketball career and his poor stats at Winston-Salem State. Play the clip. Let's get the basketball stuff out of the way. I'm sick and tired of people lying about my basketball resume. Ladies and gentlemen, when I say that I wasn't great, I'm talking about compared to greatness. I was good enough to get a basketball scholarship. I was good enough to get my education paid for. With two bad knees. They learn, talk about I averaged one and a half points a game. They, I saw some article on social media. That's a lie. It was less. See that? You didn't know I was going to say that, did you? It was less than that. It's a lie. How about zero? Because I never played. Because I cracked my kneecap in half. I got operated on at Wake Forest University. In Winston-Salem, North Carolina. My mama was by my bedside. My sisters came to see me. They said I'd never walk straight again. My bone cracked in half. My first year at Winston-Salem State. I still have those knee pains to this very day. Still. In the knee that still has a six-inch screw in it that I never took out. And in the left knee, because I spent years overcompensating for the pain in the right knee. You didn't know that, did you? Did you? You want to sit up there and think, I just ride the bench. I couldn't play. Ask people who played against me whether or not I could play. There's a lot going on there. All right, so you guys saw the clip. Now let's break this thing down. So Whitlock is bringing up valid points. In assessing Stephen A. Smith's story, right? So did Stephen A. only play one game or did he play more? Because you can't average one and a half points per game having only played one game. There's no one and a half point shot. Now, to be fair, he probably was thrown off and he felt embarrassed that this was something that even got brought up in the first place. So he just brought in the injury after one game as a cope for how the conversation was making him feel. But still, this is not a good look. Now, in terms of Stephen A's response, you know, he got some jokes and he got some insults off. He said he wanted to get it off his chest, and so he did, right? And he also mentioned that he has had issues with Whitlock for over 10 years now, and that this was the last straw for him. But to be apologizing to your employer to apologize to your sisters and to your pastor. To me, that's a little bit over the top, right? 
all you're doing is that you're just speaking on someone you don't like. It's not like you're going on some kind of military mission that you need to apologize in advance for what you're about to do. And I really don't remind him responding. I mean, after all, in a way, Whitlock did pull his card, right? Because what happened is Whitlock brought his credibility into question. And he put a spotlight onto his playing career in college. And he also mentioned that his book was ghostwritten and that Stephen A., actually wasn't a really good writer back when he was a columnist. So I'm cool with him responding. And I don't even mind him swearing and even clowning him in certain parts. But what I'm disappointed in is that he didn't really do anything to address the substance of what Whitlock said, or at least try to disprove his claims. Now, that tells me that when he did that episode, it was an emotional knee-jerk reaction <laughs> which tells me that there was probably some truth in what Whitlock was saying. And also, on a side note, this is just a personal observation, but why is he making his voice like that? Like, he's dramatically lowering his voice. Like, bro, are you delivering a eulogy, or are you trying to roast this guy? But some of the stuff that he said was funny, but then some of it was kind of ridiculous too. But the part that was really ridiculous to me is to say that he's worse than a white supremacist and that he is the worst human being alive. <laughs> like, really, bro? Did Whitlock kill anyone that we don't know about? Did he R-word someone or did he commit SA, you know, against a woman or multiple women without their consent? Did he forcibly steal someone's property? Did he rob or orchestrate an elaborate fraudulent scheme against elderly people? Did he go on a spree and attack a bunch of civilians? What is it about him that makes him the worst person that people will ever come across? Now, those are very strong words and strong claims to use against him. Now, to be fair, I don't agree with Jason Whitlock trying to record Alan Iverson's conversation in the hallway of a hotel that they were staying at, right? Now, in it, he mentions that he was trying to get a cover story for Vibe magazine and that he was inside his room. I'm talking about Jason Willock. He was inside his room and he overheard Iverson in the hallway speaking to someone else. So he took a recorder and put it by his door so he could record the entire conversation. I don't agree with him doing that at all. I don't care if you were covering him for a cover story, right? I don't care that you guys were in the same hotel or that even he was outside of your hotel room. You cannot be recording a conversation that he's having with someone without his consent. That to me is wrong. I don't care how you try to frame it, how you try to spin it or what the circumstances were. You can't be doing that kind of stuff. But is that going to make me say that he is the worst kind of person you'll ever meet? That, to me, doesn't warrant that kind of a claim, right? But one of the first lessons that I gathered from this entire situation is really about projection, right? And you see many times we might come across people who will say things about another person 
right, and talk about why they dislike a person. And when you actually listen to them speak, what they're really doing is they're placing their own imperfections, their own traits, or even their own behaviors onto the person that they're speaking about. So that's one of the things that's going on here. But when he says something that, you know, Whitlock will go to white supremacists and he will say, I'm your man. I'm going to have to push back on I'm going to have to push back on that a little bit because Stephen A. Smith literally does the same thing, right? Now, like I mentioned earlier, Whitlock recorded a private conversation that Iverson was having. That is wrong. But Stephen A. Smith wrote articles exposing Iverson when he was missing games to go party, but Iverson was telling the team that he was dealing with family issues. So this is something that he was exposing back in his columnist days. And when he gets called out on this, he says that Stephen A. Smith, I'm talking about, says that he would have gotten in trouble with his editor if he didn't report on what was actually going on. But when you listen to Whitlock explaining why he recorded Iverson, he also mentions that he was being pressured by Vibe magazine to get the story done and at that time, Iverson was really was not really giving him any time to speak with him. So it's really the same thing when you think about it, right? So there are many parts to this that we can learn, right? So like I said, one of them was projection. But the other thing is, and you've probably seen this in your own personal day-to-day -day life, is that there will be two people who really don't like each other but they are exactly alike. And that's oftentimes why they don't really get along is because of how much they have in common and how similar they are. And like I was saying, you guys probably seen this before, right? And if you look at Stephen A. Smith and you look at Whitlock and you, and you look at the habits that they have when it comes to their reporting and how they report things, you really will see that there's more similarities that they have than differences. And I believe that that is the source of their friction, right? And another thing that this situation really emphasized to me and it reinforced to me is the idea that people operate based on who they like. Now, if you notice, Stephen A was name dropping a lot of people who don't actually like Jason Whitlock. And he even says he burned a lot of bridges. In fact, he even mentions that he burned bridges with everyone at every company that he's ever worked at. Now, having said that, you know, the whole burning bridges portion, I think that's why it's important to not actually burn bridges with people. Because in life, you just never know. Now, the world is a really big place, but it really isn't when you think about it. Because people talk and word gets around. So we have to be mindful of relationships and how we carry ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that we should actively care about what people think of us. We really shouldn't. But we should at least be authentic and true to ourselves. And we also have an obligation to at least be the best version of ourselves that we can be. Now, part of that is not just how we perceive ourselves or how we even treat ourselves or how we conduct ourselves. But it's also about how we treat others too. 
So when he mentions that all of these people don't like Whitlock, I don't really know if it's true or not. I'm sure there are people out there that love, like, and even care for him. But the idea that, you know, no one will be at his funeral or that no one will even be a pallbearer for him, I think that's a bit extreme, right? And for a moment, I just want to take Whitlock and Stephen A. Smith out of it. And let's just look at the concept by itself of a funeral and what it would mean, right? Because the idea of people coming to your funeral and grieving you, I think that is one of the true definitions when it means having a legacy and leaving a legacy behind. So again, I don't really know if it's true. So I'm not going to indict Whitlock's character and say that he's doing something wrong or anything. I don't know the guy. So I cannot take that as a fact. All I'm doing is I'm speaking in general on the idea itself of burning bridges and, you know, legacy and what you will mean to people. All right, but let's get into it. The moment of truth. Who really won? So if we're going to go based on jokes and roasting and expressing their anger, then you can say that Stephen A was the winner because he came out with all of those things. But objectively speaking, and if I'm going to assess this entire situation from a bird's eye view and look at it that way, and Jason Whitlock won, and it's not even close. You see, when he was addressing Stephen A. Smith and he was critiquing him and he was breaking all of it down from his perspective, he didn't get emotional and he didn't get personal. He just brought up very valid points on his position and then he expounded on it and then he provided great detail and context to what he was talking about. And plus, he actually came with receipts to justify everything that he was saying. So to be fair and objective, Jason Whitlock did win. But the internet and you know, a large group of people are going to think that Stephen A won, right? Or they're going to say stuff like, oh, he cooked Whitlock, or Whitlock is just clout chasing for clicks and for views. Now, not everything is about clout. Some things are just about principle. And this is why that Cat Williams interview that he did with Shannon Sharp on his Club Shay Shay podcast is so popular. See, that's the thing. When you're operating with truth and authenticity, people gravitate to that, right? Regardless of whether or not they agree with it, they just intrinsically know when truth is being spoken or authenticity is being displayed. So when Cat Williams was airing all of these people out and he was putting them on blast, it resonated with people. They knew he was right and they knew that he was being himself. And even the people he was calling out knew there was truth in what he was saying. That's why many of them were coming out with corny jokes or they were making trash freestyles, you know, trying to, you know, make fun of the issue. But none of them could actually come out and say what he was saying was wrong. And that's why the truth is very powerful. It stands supreme and it cannot be questioned. So with this... I don't think that Jason Whitlock was clout, was clout chasing. I just think that he made an astute observation. 
when you listen to him break it down the way that he breaks it down and you take out whatever personal feelings or personal vendetta that you may have against Whitlock, take away whatever views with him that you might disagree with. Just listen to what he's saying and see the context in which he's breaking it down. You will actually see that Stephen A's story has a lot of plot holes in it. Now, the whole concept of him having a ghostwriter, do I believe that Stephen A. Smith sat down and wrote this book? No, I don't. And like I mentioned in a previous episode, I think I was discussing Jada Pinkett and Will Smith and talking about her book. And I mentioned this. Celebrities don't write their own books. What happens is the publishing company or the publisher, they will assign a ghostwriter to accompany the celebrity, right? They will ask them questions. They will write down their stories. And what they will do is they'll gather all of this information and then what they will do is they will try to write the book in that person's tone and try to match their tonality. So even though Stephen A. Smith at one point was a columnist and he does have a writing background, at the end of the day, he's still a celebrity. He's a celebrity right now. And this guy is working every day from morning until night for ESPN. And then when he's not doing that, he's hosting his podcast. So realistically... When would he have the time to sit down and actually write this book? And I know what goes into writing books because I've written four of them myself. And I know that it's a real grind. But because people don't like Jason Whitlock, like I mentioned earlier, society runs on the premise of who people like and who they don't like. And because people don't like him, and according to Stephen A. Smith, many of his peers and former colleagues don't like him, he's become an easy target. And I am almost willing to guarantee that Stephen A. Smith wouldn't dare come with this level of vitriol to someone like a Dan Lebetard or Marcellus Wiley if they lobbied these exact same claims as Jason Whitlock did and they broke it down the exact same way. But he can make personal insults and he can attack Whitlock because no one, for the most part, will really look at it objectively. They're just going to go on the internet and they're just going to say, yeah, Stephen A. cooked that coon. He's a sellout. But to be fair, <laughs> let's call it down the middle. This is just a scenario of the pot calling the kettle black. Because to me, Stephen A. does many of the same things that Jason Whitlock does. And he does it in the exact same way. The way that he went at Kyrie Irving and other black athletes, right? That tells me Stephen A is really not that much different from a Whitlock as much he, as he would like people to believe. If anything, and I remember this very vividly, Whitlock actually supported Kyrie Irving during the whole mandates ordeal that was going on once upon a time not too long ago, while Stephen A. Smith was clamoring and begging for Kyrie Irving to be penalized for the decisions that he was making at the time. But again, if you go back and look at what he said in response to what Whitlock said, he didn't really address any of his claims. He made ad hominem attacks, which is usually what people tend to do when they cannot actually refute the facts that are being presented. So the masses will look at it and say, 
Stephen A. Smith won. But those who can actually reason and then they're going to look at things for what they are. And I encourage you and I challenge many of you to just go and listen to it in its entirety and see what he says. Look at what Stephen A. says and then go back and listen to what Whitlock says in his response to what Stephen A. said. And you will actually be able to see for yourself that Whitlock got the better of him in this exchange. And he did it through just speaking the truth and identifying the facts. But that's all I got for you guys today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel. You guys can also check out my four books. The links will be in the description. And you can even follow me and the podcast on social media. But take care. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Until next time.